Welcome into another episode of the Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing podcast. I'm your host, and I am Five Foot Nothing, Hundred Nothing. Now this is the first time you guys are talking to me in two weeks, and that's because I was too busy celebrating all of my seventy dollars that I won in March Madness and a gift card which I haven't gotten yet. So Casey Beef, if you're listening, where's my gift card, bro? I need to find a reason to get to South Carolina and get some food. But I did win some money, and that was fun. And then I won even more money. Yeah, three days later, I get an email from Yahoo because I put in the put in the free bracket, and you. You're with a million other people, and the grand prize is like a million dollars. But if you finish in set a good enough spot, you get some money. So, heck yeah. We're going to take that $70, and we're going to add to it for a grand total of $71. Yes. I got a dollar from Yahoo. I feel like I'm not the only one that got that dollar, though. I think there's a lot of people that got a dollar. And it wasn't because my bracket was that good. It's a trick that I'm not dumb enough to fall for. They put a dollar in this account through your Yahoo account where you can gamble with it. But you can't. What's a dollar going to get you? So you got to put more money in. And then you're on the site and you're gambling. You're doing this and doing that. No, thanks. I want a dollar and it's going to sit there and I'm going to keep your dollar. So (laughs) I did win some more money. That was fun. But, okay, March Madness is done. Basketball is over. My $71 and pending gift card shall be spent wisely. We got football to talk about. There's a lot of different stuff to go over uh, today. Hopefully this doesn't run too long. <laughs> I try not to talk to myself for too long today. But we got spring ball. It's full swing. We're halfway through. Marcus Freeman still making an impact. Uh, we got our, our rivalry renewed, Notre Dame versus Indiana. Not really a rivalry, but it it is a matchup being renewed in 10 years when I'll be 46. But I want to touch on that real quick. Uh, I saw something interesting about Super Conference is, but really just a Super Conference, like a Super Group. And so there's that. But we're going to go through it all. And... As I get going, I don't know where I'm going to end up. So you know the deal. Watch me for the changes and try to keep up. Now, before we get into Notre Dame-specific football, I do want to talk a little bit about the NFL draft because I've seen a lot of stuff with um, JOK. Where he could go. It seems the Patriots seem to be a popular spot, which is, I think they're a well run program, uh, franchise, uh, colleges programs, NFLs as franchises. I think they're well run. I wouldn't mind seeing that guy. I don't care for the Patriots. That's, that, I'm not a Patriots guy. That's for sure. But it wouldn't be the worst thing. For him to end up in New England. They have the 15th overall pick. 
and uh, they got a crazy fan base, summer bandwagon. That's neither here nor there. They got a fan base. Um, I just think that would be a good place for him. Uh, I wouldn't hate it. But again, with Notre Dame guys, I just want them to go somewhere where they can succeed to a good franchise that isn't a dumpster. That's it. Not hard. Um, and I don't know where or when Mr. Ian Book will get drafted. But if Mac Jones is talked about at number three, number three, Ian Book is getting drafted. He might go in the fourth round at this point. Mac Jones is number three. And I got into a, a funny little conversation with a, my buddy P-Wagon on Twitter. You know, he was comparing NFL prospects to, you know, food and dishes you would eat. And we had two – I think we had pretty – I liked his better. We had pretty good analogies for Mac Jones. Mine was Mac Jones is that average piece of meat that is surrounded by amazing sides and just smothered in delicious mushroom sauce. That's what Mac Jones is. But I think P-Wagon one-upped me. He said – he Mac Jones is that steak that's covered in a wine sauce to mask the taste, which I think is better in representation because average piece of meat, average piece of meat may still taste good. But when you're covering it in sauces because it tastes bad, that's what Mac Jones is. I'm sorry. He's a, he's an NFL quarterback. I, I think he should be drafted. I don't think he's that terrible. But I have to – create this analogy because he's being talked about as number three. Are you kidding me? Like, oh my God. I I pretty I hope he goes number three. And then he just completely bombs out. And it's like, why was he ever number three? Oh yeah, that's right. Because he had an NFL supporting supporting cast at Alabama. Makes no sense. So Ian Book's gonna get drafted. We don't know where. We don't know when. But that kid is getting drafted and it's that's great for him. That is so fantastic. Cause I I've been up and down with Ian Book as a uh, NFL prospect, but I, I I would love to see him in the NFL. He deserves it. He's one of the uh, most loved Notre Dame players to come through in a in a while. So that was cool, uh, or I'd say it was cool. It will be cool. He's gonna get drafted. Like there's no there's no way around it. It's gonna happen. It's going to happen. Mac Jones is not number three. Like, there's, that's, that's not, that can't be a thing. That can't be a thing. Freaking, and San Francisco on top of that. I'm sorry, is Jimmy Garoppolo not good enough? Did he not play in a Super Bowl? But, whatever. I had to get, get that out of the way because, again, if I can make fun of something, I will, especially if it's an Alabama thing even though there's not much to make fun of with him, I'll take my swings when I can. So, yeah. And also, you know, it's, and I'm going to talk about recruiting with Marcus Freeman, but real quick, we did get a decommitment from Jack Nickel. Uh, he was a pretty highly talented linebacker. It's disappointing. Uh, I liked his name, too. He sounded tough. But there's more linebackers in the pipeline. We got Marcus Freeman on our side now. Uh, things are, things are going to change. 
uh, in recruiting. And losing Jack Nichols sucks, but I think we're going to we're gonna come out of that. We're going to survive. We're going to be fine. <clears throat> so before I talk about our current roster, <clears throat> spring ball, Marcus Freeman, and the Freeman factor, I'll get to that. I want to touch on our new information about Notre Dame versus Indiana. And I'm excited for this. Um, Indiana seems to be on the up and up. That's cool. I don't know what they're going to be in 10 years. We'll see. But this is the first time Notre Dame and Indiana will play since 1991. And I was at that game. So that'd be cool if I get to go to the uh, renewing of this matchup 39 years later uh, and be in the stadium for that because I was there in 91. And if you saw my tweet about this announcement, I, I put a little clip in there of Mr. Irv Smith, Big Irv. Ah, that play was so exciting, guys. If you haven't seen it, go to my Twitter at Five Foot Nothing Pod. He caught the ball at like the 30, 25 from Rick Meyer and then bounced five IU defenders off of him, carried three of them into the end zone for a touchdown. He got hit at like the 25. Like almost as soon as he caught the ball, he got hit. And just boom, 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 just barreled his way into the end zone. That was such an awesome play. I remember in in 91 watching that play, and I told my dad, I'm like, I can't wait to get home and watch that on TV. Like, it was that awesome. I wanted to watch it again. And in, in 1991, this was before it was instantly uploaded to Twitter or wherever. You, you <laughs> There was no replay in the stadium. It was your memory. That's what it was. It was in your brain. That's the only place it stayed. Um, but we had it on TV, so I'd go back and watch the replay that way. Oh, no, man. It was so exciting. That was such an awesome play. Loved it. So – I can't wait for that uh, to come back. And just for perspective, how long it's been since Notre Dame and Indiana have played. That touchdown, that play that I'm describing, that was that is a big moment in Notre Dame football history. Just such a cool play. You know, great for Irv Smith. Such a good dude. But this is how long it's been. Irv Smith caught that ball at Notre Dame while in college. Irv Smith then went on to play an entire NFL season. And now Irv Smith's son, Irv Smith Jr., is in the NFL. So that's how long it's been from today. And then we still got another 10 years before they play. Yeah, Irv Smith, college, NFL career, has a son, lives his whole life, goes to Alabama, is in the NFL. That's how long it's been. It's crazy. It's, it should be played more often. These schools are not that far apart. Obviously, they're in Indiana. But I, I think it's replayed because there's a lot of, I'd say crossover, but like, you know, houses divided. Somebody went to IU, somebody went to Notre Dame. You know, there, there's all that. Maybe they're just fans of each. But there's a lot of crossover in that in Indiana, you'll find a lot of Notre Dame football fans and a lot of IU basketball fans, and they are the same person. They During football season, go Irish. During basketball season, go Hoosiers. And... For that reason, I feel like that game should be played a, a little more because IU is, despite what they've been in recent history, IU is the basketball school in Indiana. Notre Dame is the football school in Indiana. I think it'd be 
you know, it, I think it'd be a, a good thing if they played more often, as opposed to every 39 years, which is what it's going to be in the year 2030. So, but I can't wait for it. And I hope they show that, that Irv Smith clip again and again and again. I hope, uh, well, <laughs> I said, I hope Michael Mayer does that. But how old will he be in 2030? <laughs> it's, we've got a while, guys. But I, I know when it happens, they're going to replay that uh, Irv Smith clip. And it, what's funny about that is that was the first year of the NBC contract deal. That was the first year of the NBC, NBC deal. I think it was the first game of the season. So what a way to kick it off. That was pretty cool. So, all right. Enough nostalgia and how old I am and how awesome uh, the 90s were. Let's talk current Notre Dame happenings. Now, our spring uh, ball practices are halfway through. Our spring game is May 1st. That's coming up quite rapidly. And, you know, we're trying to get an idea of where we're at as a team because there are a lot of changes. There are a lot of changes, okay? Now, we're not the only ones going through changes. So how how, we're, how will our changes turn out in terms of our season, our record? What, what should we expect? I don't know. I said at the beginning when I first started this podcast, I said we're going to go 11-1. and one. I still feel good about that. I don't know what everybody else's changes are going to look like. But some of the things that <clears throat> we're unsure of, I thought we'd have more answers to this point, but it's hard with the lack of access with spring practices at this point. You know, uh, we're, what we're hearing and what we're seeing is, I feel like it's being, the, what we're being told is very selective. What we're being shown on social media is being is very selective. It's only a certain people that are getting access. And then the information we're being provided is selective. So we have limited information to go off of. But I guess the the big news out of spring practice right now is Blake Fisher appears to be in line to be a starting offensive lineman in Tallahassee Labor Day weekend week one of the 2021 football season. And that's, that's awesome. He is what we thought he was going to be. We thought, and we actually thought Rocco Spindler was going to be better. And Spindler's kind of, he's in the mix, but Fisher is apparently showing all kinds of things to the point where he might be the starting left tackle in week one. Now, I, I've heard everything from, oh, you know, left tackle, right tackle, it's all the same, whatever. I still think left, tech, left tackle is more important, especially when you're a right-handed quarterback. You know, uh, it's his blind side. But the fact is he's pushing to be the starter. And that's awesome, right? Because that means he's doing what we thought he would do as a highly touted damn near five-star prospect. Right? That's what we were expecting from him. You want to come in that high out of high school, you want a performer, and he's doing it. The downside is 
Well, obvious. He's he's a freshman. He's a true freshman. He there's going to be potential growing pains. So what does that mean for the offensive line? I don't know because while I can talk about Blake Fisher and how awesome it is, and that's fantastic that he's proving to be this high, highly talented recruit. We're also replacing four or three other guys. He would be the fourth. Three other guys. The only one coming back is Patterson. And the last time he played, he was center. And he's likely moving to, you know, guard or tackle. Probably tackle. So, effectively, all five positions on the offensive line from opening day 2020 to 21 are going to be different. Zeke Carell played a ton. So, there's familiar. I say played a ton. He played quite a bit. They got hurt. But there's familiarity at center. And there's familiarity with the fact that Patterson's on the line. But everything else is going to be different. That's where the big question mark is going to be. Because the offensive line can set the tone. O-line you. We're known for it, right? Well, they can set the tone for every single game this season. And it's just a matter of how quickly are they going to gel. Uh, so I think the most important part of spring, and hopefully we get to see it in the spring game, is how quickly will they gel? How quickly will they be on the same page? And on top of that, with the quarterback. On the same page with each of the five players on the line, plus the quarterback. So while I still feel confident because we do have the the fun little tag of O-line U, um, Cone has proven to be a successful, good quarterback. There is still a lot of uncertainty. We don't know. We don't know what to really expect. But I do think where we're at as a foundation, we're in a position to stay the course. I don't think I don't see a regression. I really don't. You know, I'm saying eleven and one, okay? But I, I'll never. You're never going to hear eight and four, or even nine and three, from me. I, if if that's our season, that's that's an epic fail. That's a failure. That's what it is. So whether we get Rock, Rocco Spindler on there too, uh, and Blake Fisher, two freshman offensive linemen, or just Blake Fisher, I don't, I don't care. I think we've set up a foundation to win games and still be dominant where we have been dominant. You know, and I mentioned Cone. That's the next part of this. We still have a QB battle going on. It looks like it's Cone. But Pine is apparently impressed. Uh, the select highlights of Buckner have looked pretty good. And I emphasize select highlights because we're there's not enough access. We don't know. Like I, If you remember, uh, Brandon Wimbush not hitting the, the throwing net. Uh, Brandon Wimbush throwing it five yards over players' heads, out of bounds, behind them on a swing pass out of bounds for a loss of yardage all in practice. We saw those because you had access and people were videotaping it. We don't have that now. What's being fed to us is selected. While it looks good and it looks fantastic, I need to see every single play to really make an assessment. So I don't I don't know if it really is it cone, is it pine? Does has Buckner really progressed like they are showing and talking about? I hope so, but it looks like it's between Cone and Pine, 
And I, I, tr- I say I trust Brian Kelly, but he's not afraid to make a, a quarterback change or decision. So whoever he goes with, that's going to be our guy uh, until it isn't. And it sounds like a cop-out, but it, it's facts. I think it's going to be Cone week one in Florida State. I depend on what he looks like. We'll see. But the QB battle will be something to watch. And I hate to say this, but it looks like Clark is the odd man out. And it stinks. I don't I don't think he got a a fair chance. And I, I maybe he comes back healthy and he blows the doors off and BK says, you know what? Let's roll with Brendan Clark. I guess that's not impossible. But where I'm at is he, he's not playing because he's hurt. And that's like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like the just a, it's a bad luck thing in football. It's football. Guys try to play through injuries for this exact reason. It, you don't play, you lose your spot, and it's no. There's nothing you can do about it. it stinks, but it looks like he might be the odd man out here. So then we look at a position that I've been talking about is receiver. And again, this is just what we're being fed. Uh, we saw some cool highlights of Jordan Johnson, Xavier Watts, Braden Lindsey. Uh, we, we're seeing these things, but like, who is really standing out? Who's who's going to be on the field a lot? Who's going to get those chances? I think they all should get those chances. The, our offense needs to be a little more progressive and be slinging the ball because we have the guys to be able to sling the ball. But they got to be on the field. We got to give them chances. I, I'm anxious for the spring game because I don't know what we're really seeing at practice. Nobody does, except the guys who are telling us. Whether it's kind of third person, like a coach told them, and then they told us via social media, or we just straight from the coach, you know, and things. It's it's a lot of questions. And in in the wide receiver department, it's not a question of ability or how good they are. It's a question of who's getting the most opportunities and are they all getting a fair chance? Because just because you've been here the longest doesn't mean you should automatically – and then you you just got like a select couple plays for Watts or Johnson or Coles or whatever. Well, Coles is not even there yet. Um, But Styles. It goes like that. Like – is put right now in this now I want the offensive line to gel. I, that's important. So and I think you should kind of figure out the the meat of your what you want to do with who you want where and get them familiar with each other. At the wide receiver position, you got to get familiar with the quarterbacks, but I played receiver you can run routes all day and develop develop that familiarity one on one. That you don't need five guys to get some continuity with your quarterback and receiver. So, and with that in mind, you should be running all of them out there, not just the ones who've been there or whatever. Just run them all. We we we've seen the highlights, we've seen the ratings, we've seen the like. I want to see all that crap producing the statistics. Because I'm calling it crap because until it's done on the field, 
and it's in a stat book on a score sheet and helping us win football games, it almost doesn't matter if you were five-star, four-star, three-star, you ran a four-whatever in the 40. None of that stuff matters unless you can do it on the field. The only way to do it on the field is get a chance. And spring practice is the best time to see that. So I'm really anxious for the spring game to, to see what we've got in all these different places. You know, again, we're going off of limited info uh, because we don't know everything. So that's the offensive side, right? Oh, and we're, we're good at running back and tight end. I mean, I know we want to do a little bit more with these guys, but we got Mayer, we got Kyron, we got Tyree. We're good. So we look at the defensive side. And here's what I want to talk about our guy, Marcus Freeman. Now, shout out to the Always Irish podcast, uh, a friend of the show, John. He started this hashtag, The Freeman Factor. Hashtag, The Freeman Factor. And I think it's fantastic because he is making a difference already. He hadn't even coached a game. hadn't coached a down. And he's making an impact. And you just see the stuff being put on uh, social media about the guy. You know, uh, his recruiting approach. This is where I want to talk about recruiting. You know, he is quoted as saying, let's outwork everybody in the country. Okay? This is uh, Pete Sampson, if you guys follow him. He puts a lot of good stuff out there. Uh, He has a connection that a lot of us don't. I say a lot, probably most of us, if not, but select few. We don't have access like this. So he gets this information for us. And Marcus Freeman says, let's outwork everybody in the country. Why haven't we been doing this from the beginning? Because his philosophy is closing the gap with teams like Alabama or Clemson and how it's, it's on us. It's on the University of Notre Dame. It's on the Notre Dame football team. It's on them to convince prospects to come to Notre Dame. Not just take guys who are already like, oh, yeah, well, that's, that's a Notre Dame guy. And we know what that is. If you're listening to this podcast and you're a Notre Dame fan and have been for years, you know exactly what the Notre Dame guy is. Okay? Well, that's fantastic. Wonderful. We'll still get those guys. But let's get the difference makers. Okay? How about a guy like Tyson Ford who – Marcus Freeman came in and flipped. You know, let let's get these guys who can make a difference. You know, and Freeman's giving a lot of praise to some guys who I think were on the way up, and maybe Freeman can help them get even higher up. He was talking about Isaiah Foskey, who I don't know if it's because he wears number seven. I don't know if it's because he's defensive end. I don't know uh, his size, but he has a very Stefan Tuitt feel to him for me. And I mean, it's just again, it's maybe it's the visual thing. But if he's Stephon Tewitt, then sign me up for that. Because Freeman has said he's improved a lot during the spring. And he be- he was told Foskey has the potential to be a first-round pick. And Foskey's jump during spring ball has kind of hinted at that to Marcus Freeman that, yeah, this guy might be might be the real deal. And that's awesome. That's so awesome to get uh, a guy like Foskey who seemed to make an impact play every time he was on the field. Now, he wasn't on the field a lot. There were some guys in front of him, 
you know, that are now in the NFL or going to be in the NFL. But I think he's going to be a beast. Um, and if Freeman can help him get there, that's that's fantastic. I think that's what this guy's made for. And our front seven on the defensive side is pretty solid because the guys who are coming, they're going to play, were already played last year. They got plenty of time. Yes, we're going to have to replace, you know, Jeremiah Owusu-Karamoa. I get that. But we have linebackers that have played. They've been on the field. It's not brand new to them. You know, the only the spot that's the biggest concern, which I've mentioned in past shows, is our secondary. We have Kyle Hamilton, and that's it. Like we got a lot of question marks. No idea what to expect. The only thing you can hope is that our front seven, uh, and guys like Foskey and MTA and uh, Emmy Dola brothers, they just create so much havoc that the quarterback doesn't have time. and has to get rid of the ball because I don't know what to expect from our secondary in a coverage standpoint. And that is a concern. But – you know, let's give Marcus Freeman and hashtag the Freeman factor a chance. Let's see what he's got. Maybe he can bring them along in a lot of different ways, scheming, uh, coach him up, you know, all those little things. And uh, Clark Lee did a great job, no doubt. But we haven't recruited in the secondary very, very well. And, you know, we'll have to see what happens this year and what we get going forward from a uh, recruiting standpoint in the secondary. But with our front seven, uh, and I think we're going to have a, a successful offensive line, I we're going to be competitive, and we're going to win games. 11-1, 10-2. That's not a bad year. It is a transition year. It's not a rebuild, and I don't know if we call it a full reload, but it's a transition year for sure, and we got to see see what we got. So, and there's half a spring left. We still have the spring game, so there's still time to see more, hear more, learn more. But you know, what have we learned? We've learned some things. We haven't learned a lot because we can't see a lot. There's a lot that we can't see. But come May 1st, that'll help us answer a lot more questions and we'll have more to talk about. You know, so and make sure you get the Peacock channel, network, app. I don't know what it is. I haven't even done it yet. Make sure you make sure you got your Peacock. Maybe if you just buy a Peacock and strap him to the top of the television, you can get the Peacock network. Station channel app thing. Because that's the only way you're going to be able to watch a spring game. <laughs> just, just so you know, the reason I'm talking about this Peacock is that's the only way you're going to get to, get to watch the spring game. I don't understand it, but I'm going to figure out a way to watch a spring game so I can talk about it. That's kind of important for this little five foot nothing, hundred nothing podcast that's centered around Notre Dame football to be able to watch the football and talk about the football. So I'll figure out – if I learn more about the Peacock Network, I will share it with everybody because I'm going to have to figure it out. But so that's where we're at in uh, Notre Dame spring practice. And uh, 
the last thing I want to talk about is all this talk about a super conference. I, you guys may have seen, it was on social media. Andy Staples put out a college football super league, as he called it, with 15 teams. And those 15 teams, in alphabetical order, were Alabama, Auburn, Clemson, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Michigan, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Oregon, Penn State, Texas, USC. Okay, now the first thing that jumps out at me was <laughs> if you look at it where how it was posted on social media, it looks like a bingo board. Like, you know, you got Alabama, Auburn, Clemson across, and it goes anyway, it looks like a bingo board. And right smack dab in the middle was Nebraska. They were in the middle of the bingo board. And I thought, how appropriate. Because on a bingo board, that's a free space. And is there more of a free space in all those teams I just listed other than Nebraska? Now, you could argue they're a blue blood. Blue, I can't, why can't I ever say that cleanly? Blue blood. They have been in the history of college football, yes. But. You know, for as much as Notre Dame gets crapped on for not having won anything and how long, and uh, Michigan gets the same BS. Oh, it's not BS. It's legit. It's Michigan. We hate them. But, you know, all these teams that get crapped, they haven't won anything in years. Georgia, haven't won anything. Nebraska, not only have they not won anything in years, they haven't even won football games. They're not even competing for conference championships. Forget national championships. They've been so uncompetitive for so long. I don't understand how they got into this little grouping. But I do get that because they're a blue blood and, you know, you want to represent maybe parts of the country. I, I don't know. But I was going through and I saw a lot of excellent replacements for Nebraska. I had no problem. Hey, I don't like Michigan. Like, right? Fuck Michigan. We're all on the same page here. Hey, and uh, Marty, I know you're like, ah, you don't care about Michigan either way. How about fuck Harbaugh? Let's do that. It's either fuck Harbaugh or fuck Michigan. We don't like those guys. Okay? But they should be in here because as much as I don't like them, I'm not ignorant to the idea that they are a blue blood and they have won some football games in – no, well, actually, last year was pretty good. I I called their whole how they were the whole season was going to go, but they should be in here. You know, that's that. Uh, you look at Penn State. You could argue they shouldn't be in, but here's the thing: who are you going to replace them with? The, you're replacing them with equal or lesser competition in terms of the the program itself, right? So if you look at the current state of programs, the only one that doesn't make any flipping sense is Nebraska. So who are you going to replace them with? There's some good teams to replace that with, you know, Florida State or Miami or Wisconsin staying in the Big Ten or Washington or A&M or even Iowa staying in the Big Ten, you know, because right now the Big Ten and SEC are make up over half of this list because they – let me see 
Yeah, between the SEC and Big Ten, there's 10 of the 15 teams. No, wait, hold on. <laughs> I did that math wrong. Nine, uh, yeah, nine of the 15 teams. But uh, that's more than half the list. And I don't know that the big, like, you're, Nebraska, I, I don't get it. Penn State, Michigan, Michigan, eh, they're a blue blood. Penn State, I I don't know, maybe, maybe not. But you just look around, like, who else are you going to put in there? And ACC only has one represent, representative in Clemson. Uh, Pac-12 gets two with Oregon, USC. Big 12 gets two with Oklahoma, Texas. You know, like, who are you going to put in there? And then what I think they should just do is just – and uh, before I continue, I don't think they should do this. Because that's just going to completely uh, water down the rest of college football. You're going to bulk up these teams. It's it's just going to completely screw up what college football is. It's college football. This is not a professional league. These are not paid athletes pending. Maybe they're going to get some money. But not just because. You have to be a certain individual, and your likeness has to be worthy of getting paid. So – I just don't think it's the right path to go down. It's going to ruin what co- it's like. It's going to ruin what college football is. I, I I believe, you know. But if you're going to do this, you need to add more teams. To, like, there's teams that have been pretty successful in recent memory. Uh, Boise State, BYU, TCU. You know, we got Michigan State, Virginia Tech, and then if you just want to grab some random teams that have had success somewhere along the way, you know, a team like Stanford, uh, back in the day, Pittsburgh, UCLA, just for the California angle. Um, I did see someone say Tennessee. That was funny. You know, they, they, Tennessee and Nebraska can fight it out for who's dropped off a bigger cliff since, you know, 1997. But, uh, I don't know, it's just, it was an interesting thing, but I don't think they should do it. If they do, you need more teams. It can't just be these 15 teams. And again, Nebraska, I just I don't get it, you know. And people are like, oh well, if if you haven't had won if you haven't won a championship in the last 10 years, you have no room to talk. Okay, well then only six teams can talk. That would be a pretty boring thing. We need to get off of and understand that. This is why college football is so freaking lopsided because of the way it's set up. It, there, there's got to be some way to balance it. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. And I'm not saying this because I want Notre Dame to go from the fourth or fifth best team to the first. I think we can do that within the current parameters. I just think setting it up this way is just not a great idea. You know, when – in the last 10 years, it's been Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Florida State, Clemson. That's it. In the last 10 years, they're the only teams that have won a national championship. Oh, you want to expand it to 20 years? Fine. It's those same six. And in Florida, Texas, USC, Miami, Oklahoma. You've got 11 teams in 20 years. That's it. And it's the parity was more common, oddly, when we had the BCS system. It's not as much parity anymore. And doing some sort of super league where you're putting these teams back up on a pedestal just 
completely washes out the rest of college football. I, I don't agree with it. That, that's just my take. I don't know where you guys stand on it. You know, let me know if you think I'm crazy at five foot nothing pod or shoot me an email five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. Let me know if I'm crazy thinking like this, this is a bad idea. It, it's never going to work. It's not going to help the game. It's, it's going to make it worse. But my biggest takeaway as a Notre is the fact that this looks an awful lot like something I'm familiar with. Huh. Let's take a look at this. It's a super league, a super conference. No real conference affiliation specifically. It's just a bunch of different conferences. Man, that – and like you can play any of these teams? What does that look like? Anybody know? What, is it, what does this remind you of? Shout it out when you know it. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say it if you know it. Because this looks a lot to me. Like independence. What? Yeah, this is independence. What? Yeah, fuck you, Notre Dame, with your independence. You're not cool. Independence sucks. Well, guess what? This is independence. This is exactly what it is. All those independence haters. Um, sorry. This this is it. Now I don't know if it was driven by Andy Staples or the I don't know what the ads of all these schools think of this idea. But should you go down this path, it is independence. That's what it is. You're breaking away, doing your own thing, making your own schedule, may, play, playing games wherever you want to play them. And I don't want to hear that, oh, Notre Dame sets it up to benefit themselves. No, that's BS because our schedule outside of the SEC, I I have to put that caveat in there. Their schedule in a, as as a whole is is better than – unless you're in the SEC, is better than anything you can do because Notre Dame's schedule – is better than the Big Ten most years. Almost always better than the Big 12. Almost always better than the Pac-12. We proved it's better than the ACC. We proved it last year. Okay? So, I don't want to hear any crap about Notre Dame's independence being holier than thou and all this other horse crap. Because we proved it, and I'll keep preaching that our independence is... Not making us better or whatever. Because, oh my God, so many people want to do it. This is Andy Staples driven. Yes, it's driven by the athletic. Okay, fine. But if you remember when there was not going to be any football, all of a sudden all these teams wanted to break away and do their own thing. Um, uh, That's called independence. So, and maybe, yeah, maybe it's not the ADs or the people in charge uh, commenting on Notre Dame's independence, but we got a lot of ri- ridiculous fans out there shitting on Notre Dame for their independence. And then look, here we are. Oh, gee, independence. So that's my biggest takeaway. Like, come on. This is what it looks like. Everyone keeps bitching about this, that, and this, and that. And like, we should do this. We should do that. Why don't you say it? Independence is better. We should all do that. We should all be like Notre Dame. Just go independent. And we can make our own rules and set up our own guidelines and do our thing. 
in terms of scheduling and who we play and all that kind of stuff. And if you completely break away from the NCAA, then you can do a lot of different stuff. That's another you know conversation. But I just felt that was my biggest takeaway from all that. Everybody's going back and forth, who should be in, who should be out, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, wait a second. This looks like independence to me. So, yeah. Oh, that, it feels good to to get confirmation that the school you like and love and and bleed for is is doing it the way that it looks like other people want to do it. So, there's that. But again, I don't think the Super League is is a good idea. <clears throat> I don't think it's good for college football. Um, you may get an influx in some of these schools, but ultimately it's a school. It's not a football factory. You still have to meet certain requirements to go to the school, to be on the field once you're at that school. There's a whole bunch of different stuff. I just don't think it's, I don't think it's good. I think it's a, a terrible idea. So, um, yeah, that's all I've got for today. Covered a lot. Got to hoot and holler about Notre Dame's independence once again. Kind of a little cool thing, huh? But thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for sharing this, liking this, subscribing to uh, me go on for 40 minutes at a time. I I truly appreciate it. Uh, Feel free to reach out to me. Social media, Twitter, at five foot nothing pod, email, like I said, five foot nothing pod at gmail.com. You'll, you'll find me on Twitter. I'll be out there trying to make noise. But thank you all so much for listening. Until next time, five foot nothing, 100 nothing, out.